High performers understand that the way you think about everything is how it starts. That's Pam Evanson of the Lappin 180 team. She's out there coaching hundreds of high performers from New York to LA every day, every week, every month on the struggles they face both internally and externally. We're excited to have her join the conversation today. So when I think about mindset, I think about just in general, the way you think dictates how the rest of everything flows from there. The one thing that sets high performers apart is the way they think. And the high performers that Pam coaches are earning six to seven figures a year. So what exactly do they think? And more importantly, why? I'm Kylie Schmitz. I'm Dan Lappin. And this is Breaking Sales, a nonconformist take on rejecting the sales status quo. Join the Lappin 180 team as we break the tried and died sales tactics and techniques that are failing you and your prospects. High performers, especially in the sales professional world, are extremely competitive. It's, it's one of the attributes that can harm or help if they don't adjust that competitive nature. There's two things that these high performers can control, their effort and the conversations that they have. And so when you think about effort and conversation and you think about a high performer, a sales professional, this competitive mindset, always looking to win, what they're very good at is just channeling that instead to say, okay, I'm gonna be the best I can regarding my effort and I'm going to become the best that I can regarding my conversation. And when they make that shift into how they take that competitive nature towards those two things that I just explained, that's when it all starts to happen within their, their mind. That's where the thinking shift starts. So instead of focusing on how do I win, it's instead how do I become the best at my effort? How do I become the best at my conversations? And now... Now we can tap into a different way of thinking. Dan, tell me more about this competitive nature that you see in producers. If you're a high performer out there or someone who's aspiring to be a high performer, you have a natural um, level of competitiveness. And you can't bring that into a meeting because if you're competitive about the win, you'll only ask questions that direct the conversation toward a win for you. You're only going to listen to what you want to hear and you're going to miss hearing the things that you need to hear because your prospect's not interested in your win. The prospect is interested in, should we get better at this? If we don't get better at it, what do we risk? If we do get better at it, what do we create? How do we benefit? Your prospect's interested in what's in it for them. So if you allow your competitiveness to come out and it's all focused on that win, it's going to have a direct correlation and limit the questions that you ask. It's going to limit what you learn. And because it's going to limit what you learn, it's also going to limit your ability to truly understand what is it that your prospect needs you to solve. So this sounds like that shift that Pam was talking about, channeling your competitiveness into more of a positive direction. Pam, how do you see this happening with your producers? And you know the, the cautionary things that Dan's talking about now where this competitiveness can be almost a, a hinder to success, where's that point of diminishing return? I look at what is it that you're paying attention to. 
And I find that the folks that are not reaching their ultimate performance level are focusing on the wrong things. So in effort, we focus on, okay, the leading indicators. What is it that I can control? How am I approaching my day? What's my process? How do I practice? All of these things that competitive people are, are good at can be, can be shifted. And it's, it's amazing when you watch someone shift their effort from what's my result and instead going to look, look how much I've sold this year, instead focusing on look at my process, look at my inputs, look at what I'm measuring myself against, look at the expectations I've set for myself. That's a big shift. And then in your conversations, when you start shifting that effort from how do I win this deal to how do I become the absolute best at helping this person think through what they need to be thinking through to determine if making a change makes sense. And so it is the effective questions that we talk about. It is about how they have to take conversational risk. It is about being the very best at developing trust in every situation that you're in with another human being. And so repurposing your efforts to focus on those types of things in a conversation really allow these mindsets to show up very differently. So for somebody who's maybe newer and just starting out in sales, how do you coach them to get into this mindset and have the right approach? Probably one of the first things that I will notice that really helps to be able to demonstrate to them how their mindset is not where it should be, believe it or not, there's actually a physical reaction when you start talking to a sales professional about a, a particular conversation they're getting ready to go into or a prospecting phone call they're making or a deal that's about to have its its you know final presentation they get a physical reaction stressed out their stomach hurts they're anxious they're not sleeping those are some of the first ways that i can say okay you are having a physical reaction to this human interaction what is that telling you and it's funny kylie that tends to be one of the first things that they can relate to is they'll stand back and they'll say why why am i losing sleep why am i stressed out why does my stomach hurt when i think about this conversation i'm about to go into so believe it or not the physical response that they have to a particular aspect of of their their job that particular day is where I tend to find some of the first indicators that, okay, I understand that maybe my mind isn't where it needs to be if I'm actually having a physical reaction. Dan, from a theory standpoint, what do you see happening here? Yeah, let's take the ambiguity out of this. You know, sales professionals work hard to get that first appointment. And when a sales professional goes into that first appointment, whether they have five years experience or 25 years experience, sales professionals want something out of the appointment. They want some kind of success, some kind of validation. And what happens is that need for validation or success gets in the way of that salesperson truly listening for what they need to listen to and asking the questions they need to ask and having the type of conversation that really benefits the prospect. And so the sales professional has to learn to compartmentalize. So, you know, Pam mentioned this whole idea of feeling anxiety, feeling hesitation or stress. We've all been there. You feel anxiety because you're attached to some kind of outcome 
that you've determined would represent your success. And because you've attached to that outcome, it throws you completely off during the conversation. I'll give you an example. So if you're sitting in front of a prospect and it's at the end of the meeting and the prospect turns to you and they say, hey, yeah, this has been very interesting and you've given us a lot to talk about and think about. So let's talk in a couple weeks and we'll get back to you. In that moment when you heard, you've given us a lot to think about, give us a couple weeks and we'll get back to you. It's probably not from a competitive standpoint what you wanted to hear. What you wanted to hear was, yeah, let's set up another appointment. Let's have another conversation. Can you do a proposal? And so in that moment, you feel the angst. You lose your ability to truly turn into whatever it was that you want to ask. Because in that situation, you want to turn to the prospect and you'd want to say, okay, you just mentioned we've given you a lot to think about. Can you tell us? What are you thinking about? What resonated today? What stood out? Most sales professionals won't do that because in the moment they get caught in that competitiveness of, oh my, we're not going to get the second meeting. You have to learn to compartmentalize whatever the emotion is that you're feeling. Once you compartmentalize it, you can get back to your inquisitive curiosity, which is, again, in this instance, you know, I heard what you said. It was interesting. Got it. Can you tell me what was interesting? Can you tell me what's on your mind? One of the easiest ways to start recognizing when you're not in the right mindset is when you are having that physical response during a meeting. That to me is one of the biggest components of the self-awareness that happens to start to make the shift towards high intent detachment and abundance is when I can start catching myself in a conversation with a prospect and I am having that anxiety or I do get the knot in my stomach. That's one of the first things that I think can really help pull people back and reframe and start to understand why the shift is necessary. So let's put ourselves in that moment. We're having a physical reaction at this point. What do I need to tell myself to get back into the right frame of mind? I think the first thing you have to do, and I know Pam coaches this all the time, is high performers have a high level of self-awareness. You have to be extremely self-aware of what you're thinking when you're having these prospect conversations. So when you feel a little bit of the angst, when you feel a little bit of the hesitation or frustration or disappointment because the prospect just said something um, that you tie to the outcome or the potential negative outcome of your conversation, I know for me, I always ask myself a couple questions. So I'll say to myself, Dan, how is not asking the question going to help right now? And the answer always is it's not. I need to ask the question. Or I might ask myself, okay, what's my alternative? Don't ask the question. You keep your fingers crossed. You leave the meeting. You know, you hope that after the two-week period that they want to reach out and talk, to get, talk with you again. Or do you ask the question and get to the foundation of, should they continue to have a conversation with you or not? And so those are the things I'll typically do that kind of snap me out of that mindset of, you know, attached to some kind of outcome. So Pam, you said something earlier that I, I want to circle back to. You mentioned effort, effort being the one thing that you can control. How do you see effort being connected to mindset? So I think that goes back to the people who haven't reached their peak performance will always go to the result first, and that determines what they do 
that determines the effort they put forward. The people, the true high performers, understand that it's always going to be the effort first. And when you put the effort first, that's when the result, you'll see that, that increase. It's all about taking those folks that are always looking at the result and helping them figure out that you know, there's a lot of things that they're not paying attention to when they go straight to the result. And their result may look and feel a lot differently if they would pull that back and instead put a lot more thought into, okay, how? How am I going to get there versus what does it look like on the result end? So that's probably something that through process, through trial and error, through understanding how some of your results have come to be in the first place will really help to start to make that shift as well. Dan, anything to add in regards to conversational effort? You know, at a minimum, and we've done the research on this, it's estimated that there's at the minimum 17 million sales conversations happening every single week. Some ridiculous amount of them are let's make sure. Let's make sure we communicate our value. Let's make sure we create value. Let's make sure we establish value. That's the conversations that are occurring. So when we talk about conversation effort and conversation results, it's a little bit different. So let's use an example. You walk into a prospect and after about five or 10 minutes, the prospect turns to you and says, hey, I just wanna let you know, we believe that we've outgrown our current technology. You know, we think we've outgrown our current solution. You know, we think we've outgrown our current partner. Most sales professionals in that moment, because of their competitive nature, and they're not self-aware at that moment, we all know what's going to happen. They're going to leap to, hey, well, let me tell you about what we do in this space. Let me tell you about the new technologies that we have. Let me tell you about how we provide our solutions and how we've integrated them for X, Y, and Z. Most salespeople are going to spend their effort conversationally now trying to prove, establish, and create value in that moment because they want to get to that finish line, which is let's validate our expertise, let's prove our expertise and get the second meeting. 17 million of those minimum every single week. The real effort comes from slowing down. This is when the self-aware mindset kicks in. You slow down and you let your natural curiosity come out. You know, a certain percentage of sales professionals are gonna to leap to, here's what we do. Another percentage of sales professionals are gonna to leap to, well, let me ask a one question about what do they mean by technology? Then they're gonna to start to prove their expertise. The real elite, the highest of the highest performers don't do either of those things. They slow down and start asking more questions. Can you tell me a little bit about the technology issue? When did you start to notice that you've outgrown your current technology? Can you give me an example of when you've outgrown it? Can you show or tell me what you've done to try to improve it? What happens if you do improve it? Think forward 12 to 18 months from now, what happens if you don't improve it? What's the domino effect on your business? An elite performer is going to go through a whole series of questions, and that's where their effort's going to go, into their questions and into their listening. Their effort is not going to go into what they have to say and how they prove their, their value. 
their value will come from the questions that they're asking and how they help that prospect think differently about the current situation that that prospect is experiencing. And that's what we mean when we start talking about the huge difference in mindset. If you have a sales mindset, it's going to be showtime, prove the value. If you have an advisor mindset, it's going to be, okay, let me slow down and dig in more. Let me learn more here. And that's the big difference conversationally and effort-wise Pam and I are talking about. So just kind of putting some puzzle pieces together here in my own mind, it sounds like this mindset, this advisor mindset happens naturally when you don't feel the pressure to get the prospect anywhere. We've talked about that in our previous episodes. And then my hunch is the prospecting effort that you put in to build up your pipeline is what allows you to tap into that mindset because you know this isn't the only pending deal in your pipeline. You have the freedom to be present in the conversation. Is that fair, Pam? I think it's fair to an extent. Unfortunately, if we just were able to wake up and say, okay, I'm shifting from a sales mindset now to an advisor mindset, we wouldn't have our jobs. Right. It takes a different way of approaching everything that you do. It's a different level of practice. It's a different level of evaluating your conversations. It's a different level of collaboration with your partners. Everything has to change in order for this mindset to become more your natural state. So that's why I say it really does mean you have to change the way you approach your role and responsibility from soup to nuts, how you prospect, how you enter in a conversation, how you collaborate with your coworkers, all of it needs to deliberately change if you truly want this to be more your natural mindset, because it's not how we're wired naturally. And so I would tell you, Kylie, the people that don't understand that it's going to take effort and the ones that do just say, okay, I guess I'm going to be an advisor versus a sales mindset today. They're the ones that will not see the consistency over time in being able to develop the skills that they need to develop to execute on this mindset. They're the ones that are still going to ride the highs and lows because it's not a tactic. It's a way of being. And if you are going to change things about yourself, it's deliberate and thoughtful practice and approaches. So I'm going to, I'm going to add to what Pam just said. You know, if I'm a listener out there, I'm thinking to myself, okay, what does this all mean to me? Why should I care about mindset? I've had some success. You know, I've had my share of, of great years of hitting plan and quota. Well, here's how you have to look at it. Every industry is a bit different. And we've done the research on this many times over. If you think about 10 prospects, you as a listener, you're going to go out and visit 10 brand new prospects. Now, you need to be self-aware. You need to be honest with yourself on this answer. But if you go visit 10 new prospects, how many of those prospects have already decided to make change before you ever walk in their door? Before you ever show up, how many have decided that they're interested in making a change? The answer that we always get back is two or three, two or three out of 10. 
So if you have a sales mindset, as Pam was describing, you're going to compete fine to some degree for the two or three out of 10. And you're going to have to compete in the way that she talked about earlier, which is prove, validate value, position your value. Because the more you position your value, maybe the more that that prospect has already decided to make the change is going to choose your service. But what do you do with the other seven or eight who haven't decided they need to make a change? How many of those other seven or eight actually should make a change, but they don't know they need to make a change? How is your conversation going to be objective enough to help them feel that it's safe to consider change? This is where your conversation adjustment and your mindset comes in. If you go in with a sales mindset, you're never going to be able to help that other seven or eight out of 10 because you're in proving mode. You're in second meeting mode. You're in competitive gain and outcome mode. So one of the transitions you can think about doing is stop competing for the second meeting. Stop competing for the win. I know it sounds crazy. Why not take all that competitive energy and shift it towards something different? How about shifting it toward, let me ask questions here today to help this prospect debate the need for change. That's it. Instead of I'm going to ask questions to see if they need my service. And I'm going to ask questions to show them that my service is the best service that they need. Shift that competitive energy and effort toward, I'm here to determine how and if I can help this prospect and help them truly objectively debate, should they make a change or not make a change? That becomes your intent. If you can switch to that intent, your conversations are going to change dramatically. And you're going to start helping those other seven or eight out of 10 prospects truly reflect on, do I need to improve this area of my business? So that's a real change. I think everybody in our audience or all our listeners right now could deploy if you choose at any point in your conversations. That's your first mindset shift. One of the things that you could ask yourself to start to help make this transition for the listeners Instead of asking yourself, how do I win this deal? Ask yourself, how do I help the prospect create a win for themselves, regardless of the outcome for me? I think that's a, a great question to kind of shift the lens a bit. So Dan, can you, can you bring this all together for us and tell us a little bit more about why this is so important or how we start to create these habits? It's like anything. Um, that's why Pam does what she does and she's so good at it is it takes work to be the best at something, to be a high performer at something, no matter what it is. If you're a musician, if you're a chef, if you're an athlete, if you're a doctor, whatever it might be, you have to work really hard day in and day out. It's just not going to happen overnight. And I think that's frustrating for a lot of salespeople because innately for sales professionals, and I would put myself in this category as well, we do tend to enjoy immediate gratification. But if you want to be a high performer, you have to let go and you have to learn how to let go of immediate gratification. Mindset is, is a muscle. And you know, we all hear about muscle memory. It's also mindset memory. You have to work at your mindset day in and day out just like you would working out, just like you would if you're a professional athlete, just like you do if you're a chef, a musician. Well, it's the same in sales. If you want to be elite, if you want to be the best, 
you have to work on your mindset each and every day. How are you walking into each meeting and what is on your mind and how are you filtering what that prospect is saying? And, and that'll never stop. You have to just learn to accept the fact that's part of the process of being great at what you do. Okay, Dan, time for our favorite segment, change the conversation. So our goal with this segment is not to make fun of or belittle the messages that we receive from the hardworking salespeople out there, but rather we want to give you tangible examples that you can chew on to help you take your mindset from that of a salesperson to an advisor. This is actually an email that you received. Um, so I'll read it as is, obviously removing any of the company names. Hello, Dan. Would you be interested in saving 30% to 50% on your company's wireless spend? Upgrading all your devices for free? Switch to our company. As you may have seen in the news, our company is now merging with another company and our network coverage will be better than ever with the power of both networks combined. As we pave the way for 5G, we are offering great promotions and buyout contracts from other carriers that you will want to take advantage of. We understand if times are tough right now and other aspects of your business take priority. However, we would like to review what your business has in place for communications and to partner with you to provide a, a better value and overall experience. What I was looking to do is have an initial quick 20 to 30 Skype video or discuss via phone with you at your convenience to discuss the details of your current wireless account and business needs in order to lead to a brief cost analysis measuring your current spend against the potential of this program. Please let me know if I can assist with any other technology issues or help cut costs with your current provider during COVID-19. Thank you for any consideration. So first off, it's corporate America. Um, corporate America can sterilize anything really fast. If anybody out there knows anybody who works for a large IT firm, maybe in the mobile space, uh, maybe forward this part of the podcast to them. I mean, right away out of the gate, 30 to 40 or 50% savings, I remember that. What that tells me immediately is a sales conversation. I get it. This person's job is somewhat transactional. Um, and it's a volume job, which is we can save you money. However, for all the companies out there that complain about how they're treated transactionally by the prospect, you bring it on yourself when you have emails like this promising savings out of the gate. Talking about themselves right after that, and then talking about a partnership, again, all this does is it tells me this is about them. It tells me that if I get engaged in any effort or time or interaction with them, it's going to be a sales conversation. And it's going to be about me making a decision that right now I see no value in making. And so I'm not going to engage them in a conversation. Ironically, this same person did reach out to me last week again, and they offered me a free lunch in addition to saving money if I just get on a Skype or a WebEx or a Zoom meeting with them. I can't remember what it was, but I do remember the free lunch and I'm not interested. That free lunch, unfortunately, even devalues what they're offering even more. It was gimmicky. They also mentioned uh, partnering with you to provide a better value and overall experience. Mm. What, did what did that sentence, sentence tell 
tell you. Again, the promise of a better value, right? We always talk about that. Got to better the value. Got to create the value. Got to communicate the value. Got to establish the value. Um, that's a lot of value. Yeah. And I think the only experience you're going to have is the sales experience. Yeah. yeah. I think this person, to be fair to them again, I get it. They probably have a high volume transactional approach. Um, ironically, though, their approach is only going to appeal to the two or three out of 10 who have already decided that potentially they want to make a change in their wireless solution, or the two or three out of 10 that for some reason are looking at true 30 to 50% savings as really important in their business. And so maybe then under those two points, this person might be able to engage prospects. But the other seven, eight, or whatever it might be, they're never going to engage. Thanks for listening to Breaking Sales. If you want to get engaged with us outside of this podcast, be sure to go to our website, lapin180.com. That's L-A-P-P-I-N 180.com. And there you'll find information on upcoming workshops, different events we're doing throughout the United States, ways to engage with us on social media, as well as a form where you can suggest topics or guests for the podcast. We want to hear from you, so don't be shy. Kylie out. All right. Do we have another episode?